this is Braun Strowman, the monster among men, and you're listening <laughs> to the Bob Culture Podcast with your host, Rob! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the BCP, and this is a big one, brother. New that's fine. Cole Pavese, how you doing over there? Good, doing good, man. It's good to be here, back in the Bob Cave. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a big one, like I said, and please welcome to the show at this time. Former AAW heavyweight champion, former AAW world tag team champ, and former NWA Midwest tag team champion. What a resume. He's the head trainer at Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, Mr. Merrick Brave. Merrick, thanks for a few minutes. How are you, man? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate uh, you talking to me here, and let's have some fun. It's an honor, man. Uh, first and foremost, man, 2020 has been... Uh, a trip to say the least, man. It's it's been very real, man. How are you? How's the family? How's everyone making out over there? You know, we're doing the best we can, surviving. Uh, I feel like everyone's kind of in the same boat. You know, different situations, but, but we're all kind of living the same nightmare right now. And you know, we'll get through it. I feel like hopefully we're kind of you know I would hope we're nearing the end of things, but we'll just have to see what happens in the next few months. But uh, I think we're all kind of using it as an opportunity to to grow and change the way that we present content to people and whatnot. So uh, I think it's been good in, in that respect. Obviously, you know, as an overall, it's been a, a negative thing for, for society and specifically here in America um, with our inability to get it under control. But, uh, you know, We'll see what happens in the next few months. I'm optimistic that we'll uh, come out of this and, and we'll be all right. Yeah, man, you got to stay positive. Very well said. No, um, and you mentioned, you know, like kind of doing what we can here. You know, we've used our platform to connect with a lot of great wrestlers using Skype or Zoom or whatever. No, that's not a plug for those platforms. But uh, <laughs> we did have a chance to talk to a lot of your students. Uh, you know, Very we've cool. been a fan of... Uh, uh, some great ones too. Uh, Dion Roosman, uh, the Iceberg over at WrestlePro, uh, one of the what best. Dude, huh? What a dude! Um, oh, we wow. have seen, oh yeah, Kaya McKenna was on recently. She's just yeah, getting she's started. Cool. Fantastic, hardest worker in the room for sure. She's driving everywhere, putting in the work. Uh, how proud are you? Uh, are you of, of some of these students right now? Oh man, I can't tell you, man. Like uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of them. They're all out there working hard, busting their asses. Uh, you know, they, they're getting some really great opportunities. Uh, uh, Benjamin Carter just did some stuff with Impact. Um, thanks to Alex Shelley for hooking him up with that. He's, he's been a great friend of ours for many years. Um, we actually had a handful of guys that had WWE tryouts uh, literally the week that the PC shut down. They got in on a Wednesday. They took their physicals. And then the PC shut down the following day. So the rest of the tryout was canceled. But uh wwe has reached back out to them and, and they will be getting in there for those tryouts eventually i'm not 100 percent sure when uh but when they do i really think they're going to impress and and kind of show everyone what black and brave is all about we've been a school for six years now uh and we're we're kind of we're not that type of school that's just going to push our our guys and girls into opportunities that they're not ready for you know what i mean we let them earn that on their own um, so that when those opportunities come around, uh, they can impress on their own merit and not by, you know, what school they trained at and who they know and so on and so forth. So we're really excited for that to happen for them. Uh, hopefully it happens soon. Again, with the pandemic, everything's kind of up in the air, but I know they're, they're going to do a great job when they get down there. Absolutely, man. 
Um, and you touched on it a little bit, but, you know, speaking to some of your students, um, you know, black and brave is no joke from what we hear, um, you know, from what we hear that you expect people to be in shape, you expect them really to go, you push people to uh, their limits. Tell us a little bit about your philosophy of black and brave. I mean, it's the wrestling business. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Um, when Seth and I were brought up in the business, we kind of entered in right at the, the tail end of that old school mentality where people just wanted to kind of kick your ass and stretch you out a little bit and see if you were tough enough to hang. So uh, I wouldn't say that we that we do it exactly like all the old timers used to do it. You know what I mean? Like we, we want people to get their money's worth and, and we want people to enjoy their time at our school, but we're going to work you hard and we're going to make sure that you earn it. Um, most people graduate and they say it's the toughest thing that they've ever done. Uh, it's the hardest 12 weeks they've ever been through. But I think that's a great thing because when you graduate, you can look back on your time at Black and Brave and you can say, listen, I made it through this. I can make it through anything. So even if you never go on to be you know, a, a famous independent wrestler or a famous WWE wrestler or, or whatever, you can look back on that experience and you can say that was tough, but I stuck it out. Uh, I proved something to myself and any challenges that await as life moves on, I think our students are ready to tackle them and, and we're proud of them for that. Wow. Very well said. Nuno, what do you got for the man with probably the coolest name I've ever heard? Yeah. My <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you talk about helping people get their start. Um, how did you actually get your start in the business? Uh, so I started in uh, my high school year or my senior year of high school, excuse me. Uh, which was 2003. Uh, Seth and I started wrestling for a company called SCW, uh, Scott County Wrestling at the time. Now it's just known as SCW Pro. And I actually run it now, which is really cool. Oh. It's an independent promotion here uh, based in Davenport, Iowa. We run all over in eastern Iowa and western Illinois. Uh, but I started wrestling for them uh, the summer before my senior year. Uh, and I don't want to say it was necessarily backyard wrestling because it wasn't in a backyard. We had a real ring. We had a paying audience. We were wrestling in the in the high school gymnasiums, in the the bingo halls, and the the uh, National Guard, you know, centers or whatever they were called, but National Guard armories. But uh, you know, we had a handful of guys who had had gone to Chicago and gotten trained, and then came back to us, and they showed us how to bump and and do the holds and the slams and all that stuff. Um, so we knew what we were doing. I definitely wouldn't say we were fully trained. Um, after Seth and I graduated high school, we went to Chicago and we got fully trained by Danny Daniels. He runs AAW, um, which is now one of the biggest independent promotions in the country. So that's great. And I feel like Seth and I had a, a hand in, in allowing that company to grow. Um, we had a really big feud against each other when we first started. Um, we were actually the first main event to sell out the Berwyn Eagles Club, the world-famous Berwyn Eagles Club. Um, you know, AAW made it famous. Shimmer's done some great stuff there, uh, various other promotions. But, uh, yeah, so we started unofficially in August of 2003, so we just celebrated our 17-year anniversary in the business. Um, and then throughout the time between August of 2003 and October of 2004, when we went away to Chicago to get trained, we would actually do like mini camps, little one day camps with the guys like Samoa Joe, uh, Shane Douglas, uh, Christopher Daniels, um, various other guys, basically anyone that was in the area within driving distance. We used to drive six hours, 
eight hours uh, to set up a ring, pay for a camp, watch an IWA Mid-South show or, uh, you know, who knows, where else were we going? RCW, which eventually became Dreamwave Wrestling, which was kind of hot a few years ago. Um, but we'd go anywhere and everywhere just to get an opportunity to be around independent wrestling, just to be around professional wrestling. Uh, and like I said, we'd set up the ring. We'd pay for a ticket sometimes after setting up the ring just to watch the show, maybe get in the ring a little bit beforehand and bump around a little bit, uh, and then tear it down after it was over and make the six-hour drive or the eight-hour drive home. And those, I swear to God, those are the best days of our lives. Seth and I will still talk about some of those road trips and and just shooting the shit with the boys and, and uh, you know, just really cutting our teeth and learning what the professional wrestling business was all about. And I think that's what I miss most now as a, as a retired wrestler is those trips with everybody. But, uh, you know, you transition into different roles in life and, and you make the most of it. So, uh, but yeah, that's how I got started in the business. Been a fan my entire life. Uh, became a fan when I was five years old. I'm 34 now. Um, so I'm coming up on 30 years of professional wrestling fandom. And I don't see it ending anytime soon. Fingers crossed. Lock on wood. Who were your uh, Who were your favorite guys growing up to oh, watch yeah. on TV? Yeah, who were some of your influences? I think I get asked this question sometimes, and I think I'm the only person you will ever hear this response from. My first favorite wrestler was Alex Wright. Believe it or not, okay, Das Wonder uh, Kid. All right, <laughs> uh, yeah, when he was Das Wonder Das Wonder Kid, because uh, he that was before he was doing all the dancing and everything like that. I just remember watching like WCW on a Saturday morning or something like that. And he came in the ring, he climbed up to the top rope, he did a backflip, landed on his feet. And I was like, that's my guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, so I loved Alex Wright uh, when I first started watching, but uh, quickly transitioned um, to Shawn Michaels being my favorite wrestler. He's still my favorite wrestler to this day. I think you can put on virtually any Shawn Michaels match and, and just get a, a, a how-to uh, in regards to pro wrestling and, and how it's supposed to be done. I loved Sean when I was a kid. I loved Undertaker. I loved Owen Hart, Bret Hart, uh, Yokozuna, British Bulldog. Um, I loved Ahmed Johnson. Like, again, maybe the only wrestler who's going to tell you that. I like it. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pearl River powerhouse. There you go. I loved... Uh, I loved Ahmed Johnson. I loved Goldust. That man, just like literally... Uh, 92 to 97 WWF. That was my, that was my shit. I loved all those guys. Are you, uh, are you keeping up with the current product at all? Yeah, I watch, uh, there's a lot of wrestling on television right now, so I can't say that I watch all of it. Uh, and I missed the pay-per-view, uh, Sunday night, which was payback. So I'm going to try and catch up to that. I will watch Monday Night Raw with my kids tonight. Um, so I try to keep up as best as I can, and, and I do enjoy the product. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Thunderdome. I know it's a, a controversial subject on wrestling Twitter, whether, whether people like it or not. I wish people weren't being dicks on there and posting, like, KKK and shit like that. Like, what the fuck? But uh, I think it's cool. I think it's dynamic. I think WWE is kind of making the best of a crappy situation with the pandemic. Um, and I think it resembles – a normal show in an arena closely enough that you can remember what that was like and, and you can enjoy it. Um, you know, I think 
you know, the guys and girls in WWE and, and every company, uh, really, they're making the best of, of a situation that nobody could have predicted, nobody could have planned for. So everybody's just kind of trying to figure things out on the fly. It's not the easiest thing to do, uh, but I give kudos to everyone who, who's making the most of it because we all kind of need that outlet right now. You know, we need that that something that takes our mind off of the stressors of everyday life. And there's a lot of stressors right now. So uh, I'm appreciative of it. And I hope uh, other people are as well. Very well said. And these days, like I always say, we take what we can get. If this exactly. is how we have to watch basketball, if this is how we have to watch wrestling, like exactly. I'm thankful that there's anything right now. I'm thankful to the people that are performing. Um, I'm thankful to see fans on the TV, even though they look like a game of guess who. Yeah, it's still very awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I, th- I saw a meme about that. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> uh it's cool yeah man no like you said you know sports are different i'm a big sports guy so uh uh, specifically baseball right now i love baseball um football will be starting up in a couple weeks Uh, i catch a basketball game here and there. not as big of a fan as i was growing up i was a huge bulls fan loved michael jordan dennis rodman uh scotty pippen tony kukoc luke longley all the all the old bulls but uh but yeah, anything to take our minds off of what's going on right now, man. And if, if these leagues and these these corporations, these companies can figure out how to do it, more power to them, man, because we need that stuff right now. Yeah, exactly. And of uh, you know wrestling on TV, the Thunderdome, you can see that the performers appreciating having some sort of feedback, something exactly. to interact with. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that's great. Uh, and I'm very appreciative of it uh, as a fan and a journalist as well. Um, but Merrick, talking about your story here, man, uh, you know, I've talked to other wrestlers when when they've had to step away from the ring uh, or for, for being inside the, wing, the ring as a performer. Uh, they always say it's very, very hard to watch from the outside. What was that? I'm trying to do the math here from when you guys opened the school. You said six years ago. I know you had to retire a while back. What was that transition like for you? So I retired... Um, I I have had one match since then because, you know, it's pro wrestling oh. and that's what we do. But yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. actually, it was about a year ago. It was September of 2019 where I was involved in a six-man tag match. Uh, it was really fun. But, excuse me, it was a way – it was kind of like a send-off situation for me, which was nice. Um, but that was the first match I had had since April of 2017. Um, so we had been – uh, we had been running the school for about three years before I was uh, forced to hang it up due to some serious neck injuries. Um, and I've since had surgery. I had spinal fusion surgery. My C5 through C7 vertebrae are fused together now, um, which is a pretty serious uh, surgery. Anytime you go uh, above one level, and mine was a two-level, two-vertebrae uh, fusion, it becomes pretty serious. Um, and you can work your way back through it. Um, but it's still a, a very risky proposition. So, I mean, guys like Edge have done it. Um, I know Tyson Kidd is, is uh, I, I don't 100% know his situation, but he seems yeah. to be getting back in the ring a little bit based on social media posts. Um, those guys have a little bit more incentive, you know, a few million incentives, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> whereas I need to really make sure that I, I stay safe and healthy. I have two young sons. I run a professional wrestling school. I need to make sure that I am, you know, at, at full capacity or, or at least that version uh, for myself. I need to make sure I'm that so I can I can perform my duties to the best of my abilities. But, uh, 
yeah, I did have my my retirement match, quote unquote, in April of 2017. So it has been a transition, but I will say maybe it's a little easier for me compared to some other people because I'm I don't miss wrestling because I'm around wrestling all the time. I miss performing for sure because um, there's nothing like taking an audience and putting them in the palm of your hand and and making them react how you want them to react. That's just an amazing feeling. Um, so I do miss performing, but I haven't had an opportunity to miss pro wrestling because I'm around it all the time. We train at my gym three days a week, and then oftentimes I'm there a couple extra days uh, helping out during what we call open ring sessions where people can come in and get extra work. And then I run an independent promotion. So a lot of weekends, most weekends actually, well, before the pandemic hit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out hitting the towns and I'm in front of the audience and I still come up with ideas and storylines and and uh, spots and matches and whatnot. Uh, and so I still get to see how the audience reacts to that. So I haven't had an opportunity to miss pro wrestling outside of the few months when the pandemic first hit and we were not training and uh, I was not putting on independent shows until we found an opportunity to do it safely outdoors. So we have been back to that for a couple months now. Um, and we're back to training and everything with different protocols and, and safety measures to make sure that we're doing it as safely as possible. But uh, I, I really didn't get, you know, the same retirement experience as some other people. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, you know, cross my fingers again, knock on wood, make sure that, you know, we keep everything going the way it's been going. But uh, my wrestling or my life still very much revolves around professional wrestling. That's awesome to hear, man. Um, and you say, you know, you mentioned taking care of yourself, you know, obviously with the injuries and being careful and all that. But um, I did see a little bit about this show called Night Fight, which <laughs> is very, very interesting. Uh, legit knight's armor, legit knight weaponry. And this is a combat sport. Tell us all about this because I think this is a thing. This, th that was like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I would love to do it again. So maybe a twice in a lifetime opportunity if there's a season two eventually. But uh, I got a DM out of the blue from uh, a casting agent based in Los Angeles for this TV show called Night Fight. I had never heard of um, competitive armored combat fighting before and i kind of laughed it off like oh yeah okay this is like larping or something like that right like the live action role playing that you hear about uh and there's people that do that at a park by my house so like like just being honest it's not the coolest thing that you can do right so initially i i had thought that it was it was something like that um but they sent me a, a link to uh, a youtube video that kind of explained what this was all about and like 30 seconds into that video i was like all right this is pretty badass i played high school football so you kind of you always like look for something to fill the void of that like aggression and and competitiveness that you get playing football uh, and wrestling is the closest thing to that but it still is uh scripted so not necessarily a competition but night fight was a hundred percent legitimate uh in fact they're governed by the united states um like game show rules since there was a cash prize so any sort of collusion or uh you know any sort of like uh 
you know, basically any sort of like cheating type situation could actually result in in some sort of uh, like prison sentence for you. You can go to jail for stuff like that and they can fine you. So there was definitely no, uh, there was no script. There was no spots. There was no calling things beforehand. It was uh, dudes in full armor with real weapons. I had a four foot battle axe. Other people had uh, swords and maces and, and, and different things. Uh, the, only, the only catch, right? was that uh, on my episode, there were six fighters in a melee situation, everybody versus everybody, (laughs) and I was the only rookie in that episode. So everyone else was an actual professional armored combat fighter. Uh, Some people had been doing it for up to 20 years, and that was my first fight I was ever in. They didn't tell me that until the night before our fight. So I went through the entire casting process, the entire interview process, uh, showed up to a a secret location uh, at a warehouse in Pennsylvania. They fitted me with my armor. They gave me my weapon. They let me swing it a few times, and they were like, awesome, you're ready for tomorrow. Oh, by the way, the other five fighters have been doing this for like a combined 100 years and uh, you're about to get the shit kicked out of you. And sure enough, I got the shit kicked out of me. But it was really fun, and I was able to kind of test my limits, test my boundaries, see see where I'm at as a, you know, an old man, so to speak, uh, and and get right back into that competitive mode, and it was really fun. It was a little unnerving. Uh, People ask, what's it like to be hit by a weapon? And to tell you the truth, you don't really see the weapons coming. So like you get hit by a weapon and it feels like being clotheslined or being tackled on the football field. What's more unnerving than being hit by a weapon is hitting somebody else with a weapon. I remember re- I remember rearing back with my four foot battle axe and, and hitting a dude and his back was turned to me, but that wasn't against the rules. And you know what? I'm going to take whatever shot I can because – I believe this guy had previously knocked me on my ass, so I wanted to get him back. But I remember rearing back with this axe, and in that split second, in that moment, I thought to myself, what are you doing? You're hitting an adult man as hard as you can in the back of the head with a battle axe. This should not be legal. But it was, and I did, and I knocked him on his ass, and I felt like a a fucking supreme human being in that moment. Uh, So it was really fun. Uh, I, I didn't win. Uh, I didn't go into it expecting to win, so that wasn't really much of a disappointment, uh, but it was a great time, and I would definitely 100% do it again. Night Fight Producers, if somehow you are listening or watching this episode, call me. Let, let's do some business, because it was a fun time. I love it, man. That's that's wild, like Nunes was saying. It's so crazy to me. Yeah, that's, um, because that's insane. I, I did a little homework. I'm watching the episode, and I see these guys are, like, all into it. Like, they studied it. They've been doing it for 20 years. And you come in, and I'm like, yeah, I've been a professional wrestler for how long? And, like, these guys are, like, serious, like, like legit, almost, like, heritage, like, night people. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Sure. But And, like, the weapons are, like, real. And it's, like, swords and axes. real. The oh. only rules were you couldn't hit somebody on the top of the foot. Because that was the only spot you didn't really have uh, armor. You couldn't hit someone in the groin because, you know, that hurts. Uh, 
and you couldn't stab someone because you right. couldn't kill them. That's a legit rule. That's some, we had to sign paperwork saying we won't stab people. So, I mean, there's always that. Uh, but instead, you know, nothing really messed me up too bad except somebody punched me with a gauntlet. Not even a weapon, not a sword, not a not an axe, not a mace. He punched me, right hand, straight to the helmet. Uh, the metal inside the helmet, which, by the way, is just completely, like, smashed up on your face. So you can't yeah. breathe. Uh, it's intense physical uh, exertion. So the entire time you feel like you're going to vomit. But you don't want to vomit inside yeah. the helmet that's yeah. smashed directly against your face because then you'll just be covered in your own vomit. So the whole time I'm like, don't throw up, don't throw up, don't throw up, don't throw up. And then this dude just jacks me right in the eye and it busts me open. And, you know, I'm a performer, so you got to get the most out of every situation. So I made sure during that little 60-second break that we had that I unclipped my helmet, took it off. They got to zoom in on the blood trickling down my face. I think I said something, uh, am I bleeding? I knew I was bleeding. <laughs> I'm a performer. I'm an entertainer. It's what I do. I wanted that close-up because I knew I wasn't winning that shit. So, <laughs> you know, get my close-up. <laughs> Let me get my 15, 15 minutes, 15 seconds, really. And uh, let's have a good time. It was fun. I would do it again in a heartbeat, like I said. That's really, really cool. And, and you talk about doing some of these uh you know, acting roles and stuff like that. Like I see some stuff on your Instagram. Are, are you involved in yep. some horror movies? What's going on with that? Yeah, I filmed a horror movie last winter. Uh, I think it was February 2019. We filmed a movie called The Things We Tell, The Ones We Love. Um, it was uh, slated to be shopped around at a bunch of different uh, film festivals. Obviously, the pandemic hit right as the editing was done. So that didn't happen. We did a lot of Zoom screenings and different things. This, the plan is still to take it to the festivals when they happen, hopefully next year. Um, it is a kind of a choose-your-own-adventure um, film. I don't know if either of you saw Bandersnatch on Netflix last year. No, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you choose your own ending and see how yeah, things go. Okay. You get to pick where the story goes. That's the film oh, cool. uh, similar to the film I was in. You get to, it's a horror movie, but you get to pick uh, different options, and and you get to pick where the story goes. You know, are you going to uh, shoot this deranged, uh, essentially zombie mother? She's infected with a virus, mind you. We filmed this in 2019, so uh, it's funny how life kind of imitates art. Uh, but yeah. she's a mother who's infected with a virus, and so she's in her zombie-like mode, trying to go to uh, this old dilapidated house in which the father there, and she wants to see the child, and, and the father loves the mother and loves his wife, but he knows she's infected. And if she's infected, she's likely to do something crazy uh, you know, to the child or to him, and he has to make a choice. Is he going to allow that to happen is he going to try and you know talk her down and see if he can make sense or is he going to blast her with a pistol and you know what you get to make that call you're the one who gets to make that decision so i play a uh a bunny clown zombie which mind you uh when i was younger i actually looked into going into clown college 
Um, but I chose the next best best thing, and that was wrestling school. Uh, <laughs> both both but, circuses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love clowns. I'm not one of those people who's afraid of clowns. I love clowns very much. Uh, so this was like the perfect role for me. Um, and I play the new boyfriend of the mother, uh, and I get into a very very intense fight scene with the lead in the movie, uh, played by a wonderful actor from New York City. His name is. Chris Ostrowski. You can follow him on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I'm not 100% sure his handle, but if you search Chris Ostrowski, starts with an O, you'll find him. He's great. He does a lot of work out there. He's been in many, many uh, films. Uh, and I hope to do more acting in the future. That, again, was a blast. And, you know, being uh, – this is actually the second film I've done. I did a film like a decade ago that was on the original Netflix, like before you could stream it and you had to send away for the DVDs. Uh, I was in a movie called Diary of a Superhero. Guess what? I played a bad guy. I got murdered in that one too. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> so I got a track record for the films I'm in. I'm 0 for 2. I always die in the end. But uh, it's a blast, man. Acting is so fun. And there are so many parallels between acting and pro wrestling. Uh, and the pro wrestling part... Uh, is an awesome precursor to the acting because you also get to do a little stunt coordination because you're the only person on the set who knows how to throw a fake punch uh, and make it look real. So I got to do a whole bunch of that. I think I got a credit for for uh, fight coordinating, acting, and maybe something else. I know there was a scene shot in my wrestling ring, so maybe I got some sort of credit for that. But yeah, the things we tell, the ones we love – you can watch it uh, for free online right now, and you still get the option to pick all the different uh, scenarios. So if you go to my Instagram and click on the picture of me all dolled up like a clown, there's a link in there. You can copy and paste that, and, and you can watch this movie for free, 100%. It'll only take about an hour and 15 minutes of your time, and it's definitely worth it. These actors and these actresses – uh, and the, the editing and the producer and the director and the cameraman, everything. These guys are top notch. Um, and this wasn't just some little like thing that we shot with some little camera with a couple people in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like these guys are professionals. They flew in from Los Angeles and New York and um, Seattle, Washington, where the director is located. And they came to Davenport, Iowa, and they, they filmed a... A pretty nice little uh, action horror slash comedy flick, and I think everybody will will enjoy it. That's very cool. That's right that's up awesome. your alley, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big horror guy, so that's awesome. I'll definitely check it out. I think you cool. think it. Um, and Merrick, I wanted to ask you. You know, we obviously are very supportive of, of the indie scene. That's what we're all about here on the BCP. Um, what would you say to someone, you know, from everyone we talk to, you know, it's important to keep training and keep up with your practice in the ring from what we hear. Um, what would you say to someone who would want to come uh, to Black and Brave from from what I've seen and heard? I think it's like a, is it like a three month period? There's like a living situation. I think I saw a little bit on the network. Tell everyone like what to expect. Yep. We have a 12 week program um, and you'll train three nights a week uh, in addition to the open ring hours, which are available to all of our students six days a week. And then, um, you know, when the pandemic isn't happening, I run my independent promotion. You'll be required to help out uh, with ring crew and security at that. Um, excuse me. Um, basically, what I want to tell people is be ready to work hard. Be ready to work harder than you've ever worked in your entire life. This isn't a, 
a, uh, all right, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to graduate the 12 week program. And then Seth Rollins is going to make a call to triple H and I'm going to get an NXT deal right, right away. That's not what we're about. We want you to earn it on your own merit. It means more if you do that. Obviously we have connections that most other wrestling schools don't have. I mean, when you look at the history of professional wrestling academies, we are literally the only one that has a current, current top-level WWE superstar as a head trainer, and that's Seth Rollins. And he's a multi-time WWE champion, intercontinental champion, U.S. champion, tag team champion, NXT champion. I'm probably missing something. We have all the belts hung on our wall in the gym. So, uh, you know, sign up. You can tell me which ones I missed. But we're the only school in the history of pro wrestling schools that can claim that. Uh, and I think that's a big deal because Seth gets direction from Triple H and Vince McMahon on a Monday at Raw. And then on Tuesday, he's back in Davenport, Iowa, passing on that information to the next generation of wrestling superstars uh, to come out. And to me, that's invaluable. So, and it's not like we even charge more for that. You know what I mean? Check out our prices compared to uh, other top level wrestling schools. And you're going to find we're very competitive. Um, we're not trying to price gouge anyone. You know what I mean? Uh, we really just want to give back to the independent wrestling community. We want to make sure that these guys and these girls are coming up the right way, that they're passionate about professional wrestling, and that they're learning the things that they need to learn. Um, and I feel like our school offers a different perspective that other schools can't offer. And that's no knock on them. They just haven't had the experiences that Seth has had. So he comes and we just finished our 18th class. So the things that he's teaching to them, I'm also kind of learning, you know, I I've learned so much since the school being open, you know, I never had an opportunity to, to be under a WWE contract due to my neck injury. Uh, so I'm learning things as well. So, you know, he's there when he's not on the road, for WWE, that's another question I get asked a lot. Like, how often is he there? He's there. That's what he does. Wow. You know, he's got a kid coming in December. So, uh, you know, he'll have to split his time a little bit differently. But he's there. When he's not on the road for WWE and he's not completing his WWE obligations, he's in Davenport, Iowa. He's at the Black and Brave Wrestling Gym uh, on West 3rd Street downtown. And he's passing the knowledge that he has gotten from the greats in the professional wrestling business, he's passing that knowledge on to the, the next generation of superstars. And if you're trying to get the most bang for your buck, we're the place to be. We really are. Very, very well said. And as we've seen that man single-handedly carry that Monday night show on his back, for sure. Uh, very hard worker. I'm sure he's that way into school. Um, Absolutely. You know, not, I'm trying so hard not to name drop right now, but uh, we've heard, and I can edit this out, but we've heard stories from some of your students, you know, arguably some of the uh, the biggest women uh, competitors over the last uh, two years checking in at the school, helping with some of the gimmicks, helping with some of the training, man. I don't no, think you're going to find true. that. A lot of and you don't have to edit that out at all. You know, we're proud. We have a lot of connections and a lot of friends who stop by. Uh, you know, Finn Balor's been in a few times. Uh, obviously, you know, Becky Lynch is there almost every day. Uh, I get a lot of questions about that, and I'm hesitant to answer uh, in the email just because I don't want people coming thinking that, 
they're going to be best friends with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, and that's yeah, going to exactly be, yeah. Not here to you know be friends with celebrities. You know what I mean? You're here to bust your ass, and they're going to make sure you bust your ass. Uh, and Becky's great. She is literally and not just one of the top female performers in the business. She's one of the top performers in the entire business, male, female, space alien, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster. I don't care who you are. She's fantastic. Uh, and I'm lucky to call her a close friend now. And uh, I'm happy she's around. And, uh, you know, I don't think you've seen the last of her on television. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, she's, she's uh, hanging there out with she us is. as well. That's the man. Her hair's a little different now. Uh, now yeah, that she's on TV yeah. every week, but that's her. That's my yeah. girl. She's awesome. I love her. A, a big congrats to both of them, um, Merrick. I want to be respectful of your time. I really appreciate a Thank few minutes. So much, um, if I can ask you this before we get out of here, like I said, we have a ton of indie talent on this show. Um, could you give them just a little piece of advice, maybe for gimmick, for getting over, for getting to that next level? Do you have anything for them? <sighs> the professional wrestling business is not a business of subtlety. All right. This is theater in the round. If you are reserved or nervous about trying something new, knock it off. This is pro wrestling. Do anything and everything that pops into your mind. We like to say at the school, you got to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks because you never know. There's guys killing it on the indies right now uh, that just do some crazy stuff. You know what I mean? JP Warhorse is one of those dudes. Uh, unfortunately, I was scheduled to wrestle him one time uh, before really? my neck injury, but I had a concussion that week and I had to pull out of the match. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to compete. I would have loved to have done that because he's doing some great things. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like, can you imagine him trying to explain his gimmick to uh, quote unquote vet in the business? And can you imagine what their response was? They probably told him that he was an idiot and to go kick rocks. You know what I mean? But he did it. He threw that shit against the wall, and guess what? It fucking stuck. You know what I mean? So that's my main advice is just don't be afraid. You can't live your life based on fear. If you're nervous that somebody is judging you, guess what? They're not. They're judging a character. You know what I mean? Like Michael Keaton is cool, but he's not Batman in real life. You know what I mean? He's Michael Keaton, you know? So – that's what you are. You're portraying a character. And if that character sucks, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. You can find another one and you won't be any worse for wear. You know, so I just tell people, come out of your shell, be as crazy and wild as possible. You know, look at Ultimate Warrior promos and Macho Man promos and Hulk Hogan promos from the late 80s and early 90s. They didn't make a lick of sense, but they got over <laughs> with the audience because your audience lives vicariously through you exactly, uh, yeah. and and not you as an individual, but you as a persona, you as a character, you're a real life superhero. So when they pay their 10 bucks or their 15 bucks or their 20 bucks, whatever it may be to come watch you perform, you gotta be batshit crazy for them. You have to be so they can forget the stressors of, of work and kids and, you know, a nagging significant other, whatever it may be. They have to be able to put that in the rear view, even if it's just for two to three hours while they enjoy some entertainment. Because that's what you are, right? Everyone wants to be like, oh, I'm this serious professional wrestler. 
It's a work. You're an entertainer. That's what you are. Entertain. That's all I ask. Entertain. So come out of that shell, be an entertainer, and make sure everybody gets their money's worth. And that's how we'll be able to continue this wonderful world of independent wrestling. And that's how we'll all be able to make a living for many, many years to come. Wow. Very well said. That is a lot of free advice to everyone listening right there. Very well said. Yeah. Hey, Merrick, thank you so much for a few minutes of your time. Um, Stay safe over there and uh, continue success moving forward, my man. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. It was a blast. Of course. We're not worthy. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. And as I always say here on the BCP, everyone, stay safe, stay positive, take care of each other. We're out. Peace. Bye, guys.